Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. If the idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you, check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. Here on the weekend edition, we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to the show, Jeff Schechter. Thank you so much, Victor. I'm happy to be here. So, Jeff, give us a little bit of your origin story. How did you get into this crazy world of real estate investing? And maybe some of our listeners don't know you well. So why don't we start there? Yeah, that's great. Um, I basically just started as a scrappy guy. I uh, uh, came from a very traditional background and had a very difficult time fitting into the mold that was designed for me. And uh, so I became very, very entrepreneurial, even in my late teens, early 20s, and pretty much self-employed almost my whole life. I would occasionally have some other sales jobs and things like that to pay the bills. Uh, but for the most part, I've always been in business for myself. And uh, even back as far as in the late 80s, I was house hacking and you know living in houses and fixing them up and staying there for a couple of years uh, and then reselling them. And this was before the term house hacking was even popular. And I just always had an interest in it. And I felt like in the world of real estate, there was better opportunity just because the, you know, the numbers are so much bigger than say selling a pair of jeans or something like that. So, uh, you know, I was drawn to that and the, and the value add and I've, I've been in a number of different capacities within the world of real estate investing, but uh, it's always been fun and intriguing for me. I love that. You know, there's so many people that I talk to where I hear a very similar story that the traditional mold, you know, go to school, get a good job, all of that sort of thing didn't necessarily fit. In my case, I actually did go to school. I did get a good job and I went that traditional path. And after 25 years in corporate America, decided to take a hard left turn. So there's no one set way to do this, but your story is remarkably common. And, you know, I think it really shows what's possible that you don't have to do it any particular way. There is no prescribed formula. Yeah, agreed. So you're based now in Indianapolis. How did you end up there? Well, I'm mostly a Texan from the standpoint of my adult life, uh, but I came here because I started a really nice turnkey operation with uh, a guy who was actually a client of mine. And we had just had some great energy and some good ideas, and we, we saw what was going on, not just in Indianapolis specifically, but within the world of turnkey and also having a background in some in digital marketing, we saw what was going on in the digital marketing world. And we just recognized that there was a really big opportunity, you know, conversions as well as some different technologies and, and different, you know, sets of circumstances that would allow us to do what we do in many cases better than a lot of our competitors. So that's really the short version. And uh, about two and a half years ago, I moved up to Indy and, uh, still getting used to the cold winters, but uh, it, it's it's been a fun ride. We're obviously in the midst of a market cycle. We've had quite a substantial run-up 
you know, starting at probably at the bottom 2010, 2011. A lot of people think we're in the fourth quarter of that cycle. Have you found it more difficult to create value? Uh, are the numbers still working? Have you had to be a lot more selective? What's your perspective? Well, in our world, actually, not really. I'm not disagreeing with you that we are in the fourth quarter in general, if you look at things, you know, kind of on a global scale. Uh, Within a a city like Indianapolis, which is a, you know, big Midwestern city, this is not an area that's ever had, you know, fantastic appreciation other than in those little fancy pockets where there's a lot of gentrification. So overall, uh, there's not the big peaks and valleys like we're seeing in the other cities. Uh, Further, in in more of the specific areas that we operate, because we tend to operate more in C-class areas, and, you know, like just to put things in perspective, we're selling, you know, finished rehab single-family homes to investors for $50,000. And I know sometimes your listeners will go, oh, my God, that's just crazy, but, um, but that's the reality of what's going on here. So even in a downturn, we don't necessarily really care, and all the stuff that we're doing is, you know, within five to twenty minutes of downtown. So there's always an easy rental market for the properties that we have, and we're focused strictly on cash flow. We're, you know, very much in the buy and hold world. We're not even necessarily looking for appreciation because we want the money now. We want it every month, and that model has really worked well for us in those price points and in those kinds of property classes. So we figure out a way to somewhat insulate ourselves from that. Again, you know, for the listeners at home, there's no one set way to do this. One of the things that I've discovered, what's been my personal experience, I've never ever lost money in A-class or B-class property, but I actually have lost money in C-class property. And I think one of the reasons for that, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, when your rents are low, you know, if your air conditioner dies, your air conditioner doesn't care how much rent you're going to get. Uh, and how long it's going to take you to replace that air conditioner or your water heater, whatever needs maintenance. And so what I've discovered is uh, maintenance costs have sometimes killed a deal. Um, What's been your experience? How have you overcome that? Yeah, I can totally see that. And I hear from a lot of investors that they have not necessarily been able to make C-class work. Particular to what we're doing, we don't really even operate any properties that even have air conditioning. So our tenants typically are putting in their own window air units and oftentimes, you know, getting their own appliances and things like that. So, you know, granted, this is more of a blue collar working class type tenant. Probably the biggest challenge that we have is collections, but we have very aggressive collections efforts. And because of the way we manage, we've been able to make it work. So some of that is, you know, obvious C-class could be priced differently and have a different price to rent ratio varying from city to city because of the lower, because of just the tremendous price to rent ratios that we're able to do, we find it works really well. So, you know, for example, um, in our area for with $150,000, you could buy, you know, a nice B-class brick suburban home and that would make for, you know, a nice rental and you'd probably get, you know, 11 or 1200 bucks a month with one door. But for the same 150k, you could probably you could definitely buy three singles in more of the C-class neighborhoods. So now you've got three doors, and you've got you know seven to seven hundred fifty dollars rent on each one of those. So that you know the, the ratio is just so ridiculously different that it more than makes up for any uh, maintenance issues. 
What we also find in a city like this, because the price points are lower, we're seeing just as big, sometimes if not bigger, vacancy rates in that B class because that renter has got pretty decent credit. And they start looking at paying eleven or $1,200 a month for rent, and they go, heck, I can buy something for that. And so in those times where we've been in the B-class areas, we've often lost renters to them going out and purchasing their own properties. Whereas with the C-class, and these people have you know, obviously shakier credit, and you know it's a little bit more difficult going through the vetting process of a tenant. But once we get somebody in there, they're uh, you know kind of in that culture. It's not a judgment call, just an observation. But they're in that culture that well, they're never going to own, own a home. They're living hand to mouth. They are lifelong renters, and we get very very excited about working with lifelong renters because it works really well with our model. That's a very interesting insight. It's true that part of the competition for tenants is people buying their own home, especially in an environment of very low interest rates, which we've had for close to a decade now. And some would even argue that we're going to see low interest rates again in the not too distant future. What are your thoughts on return on time? So you've talked about return on investment. Uh, One of the perspectives that I often share is that for me, someone who's putting deals together, raising capital, whether it's a one unit home, a 10 unit building or a 100 unit building, the effort from my perspective is almost the same. And so how would you talk to somebody on the whole question of return on time? Well, it's a good point, Victor. Um, I'm not completely sure how to answer the question. And obviously, I'm a little bit jaded (laughs) because I operate a very, very successful turnkey company. So, you know, the, the value add for our investors is that there really is very little time. You know, once you kind of get that you're in a good big American city that's got employers and good stability and not a lot of peaks and valleys, and, you know, we're doing everything for the investor. We're going out and acquiring and rehabbing and calling in a third-party inspector and curing any inspection items and tenanting and managing. They don't have a lot of time involved in finding the deal. It's really just a matter of establishing the relationship and establishing the trust. And, you know, once they kind of get that we're staying within a very narrow lane of what we do because we've perfected our system. It's just a matter of saying yes or no to the properties that we make available to them. So, you know, oftentimes the the due diligence on the part of the investor is, you know, an hour, two hours. I mean, it's not really a big deal. Um, So, and I agree with you about your assessment of, you know, multi-doors and larger deals probably taking the same amount of time to set up. Uh, well, we just don't, you know, in our business model and what we're serving up to investors, it, we're just not necessarily serving up multifamily properties. We tend to stay into the, the mostly single family homes and the occasional duplex, um, mostly because we find that there is a huge sort of problem in that two, three, four door, all the way up to like 30 door size within C-class because that is really problematic to manage. It's just becomes very difficult. So unless you start moving up into those bigger apartment buildings where there's some more amenities, there isn't really anything to attract a tenant that's going to stay for any length of time. That's a very interesting insight. So what are the problems that you see in those medium-sized buildings? Is it that you get a collection of lower quality tenants and and they feed off each other in a negative way, or what do you? What's been your experience? Well, that that's part of it. Yeah, you definitely have some of that. What's interesting is that 
100 or 150 dollars a month in our market can make a significant difference. So for example, little single family home, you know, three bedroom, one bath, you know, maybe it's eight, 900,000 square feet and it's gonna rent for 700 bucks, 750 bucks, something like that. That's no problem to put a family in there. And you know, you may have a, a husband, wife, couple of kids, single mom, whatever, but they look at that and go, if the place is decent, clean, and kept up and managed well, they're probably going to stay for a very, very long time. The moment that you add another wall between two people and you go to a duplex, even on that same street, even next door, we now have, instead of seven or 750 rent, we now have 600. And the, the person that that 100 or 150 bucks starts making a difference to is of a very, is, is a, a different quality type person they're just more difficult to deal with. And so then as you get into like these three and four and five plexes where the rents are at, you know, $450, $500, the renters really are, they're just garbage. I mean, I, I don't like to talk about human beings as garbage, but they're just really, really problematic and really difficult to deal with. They're, they're in the position that they're in because they, they don't treat themselves or their lives or anything else around them with any kind of respect. So, you know, we've just found, you know, as, as aforementioned, C-Class is challenging enough, um, and we do a very good job with C-Class, but we don't, want, we don't want to cross that line and be in C-minus. That, that's where it starts getting really troublesome. I get that. So that's, that's, a, that's another very powerful insight. So your tenants are basically looking to maximize the value for the dollar as opposed to paying the minimum amount of rent because those are not the same thing. No, they're not the same. Maximizing the amount of dollar obviously still has to be within their budget and right. within affordability. But but you make a very very you know key point, and I, and I 100% agree with that statement. I love that. So, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Just go to our website. It's very simple: highreturnrealestate.com. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, great to connect with you. Great to catch up, and I love what you're doing. I think it makes a lot of sense. You've developed some very strong systems. And uh, despite what you said, you actually did a very good job of answering the question on return on time because you've developed the systems to make the use of your time efficient and in particular, the use of your investor's time efficient. So I love that. I think that's great, great stuff. Yeah, thanks. So in the meantime, for the listeners at home, definitely check out Jeff at highreturnrealestate.com. And have a look at the Indianapolis market. There may be some very, very interesting opportunities for you there. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 